This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl from Unleashed. And today I am honored to have Jenny Herbert. And she has a wonderful, wonderful organization. It's the Catherine Violet Herbert Foundation.org. I'm glad you're here, Jenny. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this foundation? Because I have to say it is a wonderful tribute and a wonderful idea and very, very helpful. Well, thank you. The foundation started... As, believe it or not, a typographical error in Catherine's obituary. Catherine was one of the 20 first graders lost in the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School. And um, so when faced with planning her funeral and sharing her obituary, it was a pretty simple decision to ask for, in her memory, uh, donations be sent to the Animal Control Center because Catherine loved, loved animals more than anything else in this world. And she had a pretty simple request that they knew that she was kind and that they would know true safety. She was compassionate and loving and did everything for the animals that she surrounded herself, whether it was our dog, Sammy, or the stuffed animals that she collected or the worms she found out in the yard. Um, huh. She just had a heart. <laughs> she had a heart for animals and their well-being. And so when the obituary was finally written, I left out the word control. It was a typographical error. And so donations in Catherine's memory went to the Animal Center of Newtown, um, which unbeknownst to me was a was a nonprofit here in Newtown. They rescued cats and, and dogs, and they received a significant amount of money, over $100,000 in Catherine's memory. Wonderful. And they came to me in January after Catherine had died and had shared what had happened and made an introduction and <laughs> asked, which was such a grace uh, because there were no strings attached to the money that was being donated. We simply wanted animals to know Catherine's kindness and her love. And they suggested an animal sanctuary be created in Catherine's memory. And to which I said, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I know. Well, I said to them, I go, well, so what, what's an animal sanctuary? Because Catherine's heart was animals. And so they explained the sanctuary as they envisioned it as a place where children and adults alike would see their own innate beauty in the eyes of the animals that they encountered. Um, it would be a place of safety and a place of healing. And as they described how they envisioned this human animal interaction um, happening, they described Catherine and I could picture her playing on the floor. She used to rest her head on her, on her arm and she would just, she would have the horses galloping through her made up pallet paddocks. And you know, she just had this compassion with, with our dog and being nose to nose with Sammy girl. And I said, that is truly Catherine and her spirit. And so, yes, let's create a sanctuary. And here we are almost 10 years to Catherine's death. And the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary has been an incredible grace and privilege to realize we have seen the goodness of so many people and the generosity of humanity to realize a place where all animals do know human safety and 
all humans know what it means and looks like to be kind to animals. The state in 2014, the state of Connecticut voted unanimously to convey 34 acres to the foundation for use of a sanctuary. And so we have this beautiful space of pristine farmland that we host our programming. And we've had volunteers come and help restore the property. It sat fallow for a long time. So um, we had volunteers come in and help restore the property to what it was when it was operating as a as a farm. And we do work in the school systems. We've created um, curriculum that teaches children the beauty of the animals that live in their backyards and how they can protect those animals and why those animals are important and why their actions are as important in the animal safety. We do a program with seniors specifically. We believe that all animals should live in their rightful habitats. And for that, we think that animals, companion animals should be in the homes of loving families. And so while we're not a a rescue per se, we keep seniors with their pets in their homes. So we provide vet care, food support, and temporary shelter as needed for residents of municipal housing. That is so important. I just, two weeks ago, uh, adopted my new best friend. Uh, I call my health plan because (laughs) this this dog is going to keep me going and I do want to get her into agility. You know, it's a different than when I was a child and you had pets. This is really, truly a companion. She will never be without me and I will never be without her. But it really is true how, you know, and today I'm going to be taking her to a nursing home where I visit my uh, one of my neighbors who's going to be 102. Wow. So that, that, yeah, so that should be interesting. They miss that. Nobody turns their back or their hand away from a dog's nose, you know, or a true animal lover. I mean, some people are allergic. Some people like cats. Some people like dogs, horses. But, you know, with your sanctuary, you might just be uh, becoming uh, the East Coast best friends. Well, I mean, 34 That would acres. be amazing. I mean, what, a, what an honor and a privilege to be compared to best friends. Well, they- you never know. I mean, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot of people that have these sanctuaries in New Jersey. Why not Connecticut? And I understand you're also getting involved with pollinating, which is very, very important. And I guarantee you, when these children come there, you're going to see years later, they're going to become veterinarians because we need more veterinarians. We sure do. You know, the Senior Paw Project is one of our flagship. We have three flagship programs, one related to to direct animal care, which is the Senior Paw Project. The second one is our educational curriculum. And the third is our pollinator initiative. But all of them point to making sure that animals know what it means to live safely (laughs) in their rightful habitats. And so as a byproduct of of being that voice of compassion and safety for animals, our hope is that we can teach kids what kindness looks like in action. I think we are in a world right now where we can say until we're blue in the face, be kind, be compassionate. But until we actually start showing and being examples of that kindness and compassion, it's just, it's hot air. And so my hope is that the sanctuary and the work that we do in providing for people and their pets or the animals in their backyards, we can show people what kindness looks like. And maybe 
it changes the trajectory of a child's life. Or for an older adult, it helps lift some of the burden of loneliness that often comes with, you know, aging. Oh, yes. When I went to, and I had never been to a shelter before, Mm. and I did go, this was a very bright shelter, very clean, wonderful volunteers. When I found my Tilly McGee, her her shelter name was Phoebe, um, but I had to give her, you know, her own name. But some of the volunteers told me, and they did have quite a number of big dogs. I mean, she's like a boxer retriever. She's big, and she's probably going to get bigger, and... (laughs) she's bigger than I wanted, younger than I wanted, but but more than anything I could have even designed as a loving, trusting animal. But what they told me was a lot of people were surrendering their pets because they couldn't afford to feed them. And having that, you know, safeguard or umbrella that, you know, like meals on wheels and that you're able to feed your pet And, you know, if you go a lot of these pet stores now, they have a big bin for people who want to donate because it really is. Last year or maybe a year and a half ago at the height of the pandemic, I did a show with a group that created a virtual having a pet in your house. And it was great. And they picked who they wanted, you know, what kind of pet they wanted. And they were able to see that pet, horse, dog, cat, whatever, you know, interact with the owner, but on a Zoom. So they felt like they were with the only thing they couldn't touch the dog. And they didn't have to pick up after the dog. So (laughs) in that respect, that was a good thing. But it really does change the mental health. And we know that because even in prisons. Yeah. They allow the prisoners to train the dogs and they and they love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we during COVID, the Senior Paw Project actually started for us well before it caught on here in 2018 is when we officially launched the Senior Paw Project. But it started because we work with the foundation works with Cornell Veterinary the School of Veterinary Med up at Cornell. And we were up there and we were looking at shelters and trying to dial in on where exactly the sanctuary could make the greatest impact. We didn't want to add noise to a to an environment that has a lot of really great organizations doing amazing work. So we just didn't want to go in and, and just do what we thought. We wanted to be meaningful. And so we were up at at Cornell and we were walking around the shelter that the vet students helped manage. And there was this beautiful lab who had been displaced because his owner couldn't care for him financially. It was the precipice of why we started the Senior Paw Project, because as we saw, the animal was totally depressed sitting in the shelter. He was 10 years old. His owner was dealing with mental health issues because he had to release the dog. And there was a sense of failure and pride and just all of these emotions. Loneliness. Loneliness. Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. So we decided that we wanted to do work in this space because we felt like that would help ease some of the burden on the shelters because it's seven times longer for an older pet versus the puppy. And we could honor the human animal bond, which is what we all, what we stand 
for. And so as we started launching the program, we realized the impact that we could make. And then COVID hit. It was like, oh, we were making so many inroads. And then here comes COVID. And we really noticed during the pandemic that there was a fear that was mounting on all older adult pet owners. We work in residential service communities. So we work with um, government housing just to centralize. And it's, it's more efficient. We have a mobile vet that goes into apartments. And so we found that all of the residents, whether they were looking for senior paw project support or not, were scared that they could not find food for their pets. Or they would get sick. Or that they would get sick. And it was then that we realized that you know our role as the senior paw project became very, very clear. We offer food support. During the pandemic, we served up 325,000 pet food meals for homebound seniors. Literally, we were in the driveway, socially distanced of one of um, the folks that I work with. And we were making smaller bags because we get pet food donations and 40 pound bags of food. And that's hard for older adults to be navigating and maneuvering and storing in their apartments. So we break it down and into manageable size food and we could deliver it to a central location. Like a food bank for dogs. We, yeah, absolutely. But we were going directly to the community because we could leave it outside. And then the people that were looking for the support came to the center, the community room. It was contactless in terms of there was no interface. We just left the food and they came and picked it up. And then we started working with a mobile veterinarian that went to the housing communities and could provide wellness care, either one in her van or two for those clients of ours that were comfortable, she would go into their apartments. And we totally broke through the mobility barrier and the senior paw project. It just became very, very efficient. And it became something that we grew from serving 10 towns in 2019 to now we're in 30 communities. And once a client is part of the program, they're guaranteed support for the rest of their animal's life. That's wonderful. Where I adopted Tilly from, if you adopt a dog eight years or older, you get veterinarian care for the dog's life. How great is that? It's wonderful. Um, My friend who lives in Virginia, they have Dogs Deserve Better, which also can help when you adopt that if you have a problem with food because it's expensive. I mean, they they sent me home with a hundred pound bag of food. I can (laughs) barely get it out of my car. It now is hidden in my house because, (laughs) you know, Tilly knows where it is, but she doesn't know how to open doors. She might be able to break through, but I I can't wait till this thing gets lower that I could put it in a big tub. Right. Well, that's what we found people, you know, it's a lot of the things that the simplest of actions create the biggest impact for the people that we serve. And when someone had said, I can't lift this bag, it was this aha moment. And it was just, it's the right thing to do. And I think that what we've learned holistically is that by following Catherine's simple wisdom of do the animals know that she's kind, so much good has come out of it. And this will go on forever, you know, this uh, foundation you have. I certainly hope so. Thank you for saying that. I That is my hope. It's really a well-needed and it's beautiful. And what a tribute to Catherine. She loved pets. Who mm-hmm. knows, you know, 
It could go anywhere. So when do you think you'll start catching cows on the I-95? <laughs> well, so when the when the um, state conveyed the 34 acres to us in 2014, we made a conscious decision that we needed to, one, uh, preserve the site. It, it was part of the state hospital system. And when they closed, the sanctuary property was part of their farming component of the state hospital. And it sat there for 10 years. And so it was riddled with invasives and it was, it was a mess. There were fallen trees and there was a building on the, on the property that was totally caved in on itself. So we worked with um, the University of Connecticut in developing a land management plan and said, you know what, let's get the property, like let's honor the property and respect it for the beauty that it has. That's one of our core values and it should be a part of everything that we do. And so we spent probably two and a half to three years restoring the property and really thinking about what is the appropriate and compassionate use of the land so that we can say in everything that we do, whether it's our programmings or our buildings or our land management, that we really honor the animals that we share it with and their habitats. And so it has taken a bit longer to get to a place where we can have a building and have the infrastructure to be able to go catch cows. But You know, they run loose. I know they do. My girlfriend and I in Virginia, there was a cow running loose on the road there. <laughs> I know. We've gotten more phone calls from people that have said they had gotten pigs because they thought the pigs were cute. And then now the pigs they grow up in their backyard. And, you know, and, and so many times we have had to say, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you because we don't have the infrastructure in place at the sanctuary to support that animal once they're rescued. And that's important to us because the last thing I want to do is put an animal in harm because we are not ready. Uh, yeah, not ready. So we've spent the past nine years getting the property ready. We've had volunteers come out and build paddocks for us. We've had community gardens built on the property that are now being farmed for food and secure families. We're ready to go. Our hope is that in 2023, so next year, we're in a position that we can actually build an education center and a veterinary intake facility. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. I'm back, and today I'm talking with Jenny Hubbard and explaining to us all about farm life and sanctuary life and what her wishes are. Now, if our listeners want to donate... I'm sure, you know, you could always use the money. 
We absolutely can. We absolutely can. You know, our senior paw project, we spend on average per animal that we take on um, about $1,000 a year. So any amount of contribution helps us. Okay. So why don't you tell us how they could uh, send a donation? Yeah. They can find us online at cvhfoundation.org, which is Catherine Violet Hubbard Foundation.org, or they can mail a check, US mail to P.O. Box. 3571 in Newtown, Connecticut. Wonderful. Now, you're also hooked up with the ASPCA and the Jane Goodall Foundation and her foundation. What are they able to do with you? Yeah. So the ASPCA was a really special um, alliance that we made. The ASPCA honored Catherine as their kid of the year in uh, 2013. And it was the start of a beautiful relationship because they just acknowledged Catherine's love and commitment to animals. The ASPCA has been, we have a, we have an annual event, how we celebrate Catherine's birthday and we host a mega adoption event. It's 25 local rescues, um, including the ASPCA with adoptable animals. And our goal is to make sure that those animals go home in an afternoon. And so the ASPCA has been a part of that event. They have helped us in thinking through some of our animal protocol and our work with rescues so that we are a contributor and not, you know, just, you know, working roguely. When is that event? Yeah. The butterfly party is in June this year in 2023. It's on June the 10th. You know, the funny thing about the butterfly party is it started as a way to honor Catherine's birthday. I really felt it was important that we celebrate her life and her love on the day that she graced this earth. And so we started the butterfly party with eight area rescues, including the ASPCA. Catherine loved the quote (laughs) bus and would spend hours when it was in a parking lot at the grocery store. So we had animal for people that wanted an animal or a pet for their home. We had something for them because it's not just cats and dogs. It is goats and ducks and (laughs) parrots. Right. right. And then we have animal educators there. So it's it's a free afternoon for the community. It's usually four hours. There is no entry fee. There is no registration. It's come and go as you want. Everything is free, face painting, uh, crafts, games. The only thing that we ask families to pay for is adoption fees from the local rescue that joins. Or if they want to have lunch, we have food trucks. Or you can bring a picnic. So it really level sets. This past year, we had 10,000 people show up in four hours. We had 26 rescues. And we had every single animal that was up for adoption go home. Really, it is amazing because all of these shelters are just overrun right now. Yeah. They're at their limit. And, you know, like we didn't really need all these little gorgeous beagles in the mix now to even add to that. Now, you only do your area, you know, in Connecticut for the uh, the senior paws. We right now that yes, we are only in Connecticut um, with the thought that within the next year or two, it will be a program that we can share with any municipality. We work directly with social services and government assisted housing. So it makes it a little bit easier to share the program for folks that aren't in Connecticut. So you're not running into problems where people live that they I mean, I had to register my dog where I live. Yep. 
They want to know, you know, that the dog has shots. Rabies is on the uptick right now. Yep. But, you know, a lot of places have certain criteria on the kind of dog you could have, the size of the dog. When I first got there, there were no pets. And then all I see are dogs all over. It is a huge problem, which is why a lot of the municipal housing authorities that we work with are very, very interested in having this program and implementing it in their facilities. One, most of the animals that are coming into the program, the the cats and dogs, haven't been seen by a veterinarian in three years. So now all of a sudden you have pets within a confined community that aren't vetted. They haven't had any of their vaccinations. And as you said, rabies, like huge, no rabies vaccine. And Lyme disease. And Lyme disease. So these animals are, God bless them. They've been diagnosed by their caregiver who's just trying to do the right thing. And something as simple as an ear infection on a cat or a dog has exploded into a major complication that could have been dealt with if the animal had gone to to a veterinarian. And the reason that they're not taking their pets to veterinarians is one, they can't get there. There's the mobility issue. Or two, they don't have the money to do it. It costs $250 for me to take my lab to the veterinarian for an annual exam. Right. It's very expensive. It's expensive to have dogs. It is. I used to have cats for many, many years, but I got tired of the litter, carrying it, yep. scooping it. You know, yep. I mean, I, I just needed, I needed a dog. I planned for it. It's a whole different mindset. I wake up every day. It's, it's really a wonderful thing. And it's wonderful for seniors. Oh, absolutely. For anybody, but Really, for if you're, you know, if you're a senior and you're not working anymore and, you know, your friends have moved away or they passed away. I have met at the dog park I go to now and in my community, so many wonderful people. Yep. Plus their pets. It's like a whole new, you know, social circle. It absolutely is. You you walk around with a poop bag, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, you know, like everybody knows everybody. I'm only two weeks into this. It is. It is an old jet. (laughs) Well, and you know, it really is. There's a social and emotional connection and benefit to to pet ownership. The thing that's heartbreaking for me is a lot of the clients that we serve, their pets have been part of their family for a very long time. The average age of, of the pets that we're serving is about 10 years old. So their animals have been part of their family and our family. And a lot of times the only family that these folks have and have been well before they landed in a situation where they needed financial support. And so for me personally, I think the onus is on us as part of their community and their their neighbors to be able to provide support so that they can keep their pets with them. It seems like it's such a it's an expensive lift because it's a thousand dollars a pet that the foundation's you know taking on and committing to, but it's a responsibility that I think is really necessary. I think in the long run, it's a lot cheaper than the older person who doesn't have a pet. Oh yeah, can't afford it. They get sick. That's on us. Absolutely, our care. And you seem to be hooked up with a lot of wonderful agencies. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, when we decided to to really think about how do we approach animal care, 
the ASPCA, Cornell. Um, I did go out to Best Friends for a week to take one of their workshops. They've been incredibly kind and generous to to us. What what it, were you dogs or the horses? It was how to start and run an animal sanctuary, and so it was a week long yeah. deep dive into all of them. It was it was such a great week. My friend went twice. Yeah, the dogs <laughs> and once to take care of the horses. I'm meaning there's a waiting list. Yes, I was, I was floored. You know, for me personally, we went probably six months after Catherine died and it was such a place of healing for me personally, just to be around animals. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was, it was really, it was really a, a special time for us. I think people realize now how healing animals can be. Oh yeah. You know, with the dogs and with horses and, you know, I've done shows with goats, goat therapy. Yeah. I mean, and even cows. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, we have so much to learn from animals because we really are the heavy hitters on, on our planet. And we really are. Yeah. We're the ones that are, uh, and, you know, eating grass and walking around, which they blame on cows. It's amazing. But now the race for Catherine is that's October 16th, correct? The re- yes, the race for Catherine is October 16th. It is it's our only fundraiser that we do for the sanctuary. Um, it supports our programming and our operational costs. Where will that be? Is that just in your area? No, it is everywhere. It's a virtual 5K. So you can literally you can you can register Sit on my couch and eat popcorn and watch you walk. <laughs> no, you can get out and walk your new puppy. <laughs> I walk her every two hours. There you starting go. at 630, 630. Then we come in. She eats an hour later. She goes out another hour. Yeah. Go out. And then we do two to three hour segments. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I lost 10 pounds in two weeks. How about that? (laughs) And I gained so much more. Oh, my gosh. The race for Catherine is a um, it's a 5K. You can do it virtually from your neighborhood anytime, anywhere. The weekend of October 16th, so the 14th through the 16th, you can sign up and it's literally you walk three point walk or run three point two miles to support the sanctuary. Okay. Or if you're local, you can join us in Newtown on the 16th, where we'll have an in-person um, 5K. No, I'm going to try to do it. Send me a hat. I want. One I will. Hats. Well, every single racer, if you sign up, every single racer or walker or runner receives a swag bag. And it has a t-shirt and it has a bunch of swag. But I will get you a hat. Don't you worry. Well, I'm going to do it. Great. So now when you sign up, you want donations for that as, as well? Well, there's a registration fee. And so if you're a virtual walker, it's $30. We ask that you fundraise 25. So all in, it's $55. And all of, like I said, all of the money comes to the sanctuary to support our, our programming. Last year was our first race. We had 25 states represented in our virtual walk. And uh, our hope is this year we can have someone from every single state do our 5K for kindness. I think it's wonderful. And I'm going to post this when it's ready and I'm going to put it on my Facebook. And I have an Unleash page where I'll be pushing this. And I just think it's wonderful. And I wish you so much good luck. Oh, thank you so much. You have a lot on your plate or on your bowl. 
I should say. You have a lot in your bowl. I do have a lot in my bowl, but you know, I am surrounded by amazingly generous and loving people that it truly takes a village and it's an easy lift. Wonderful. Now you, you also deal with foster, right? Foster care for animals. We do specifically for our senior paw project. If one of our clients needs to go and have elective surgery or is, you know, falls down and ends up in the hospital for a couple of weeks, we have a foster network that goes and takes care of their pets for them. So they don't have to worry about it. Okay. So it's not for adoption. It's just to to help out when they're not able to care for their animal. That's right. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking forward because I have, you know, an 11 month old. I have to prepare. Right? Well, and that's a lot of what happens. And and one of the things, once we have a building, we get a lot of phone calls from some of the, the communities that we serve. And one of our clients has passed away and their pet needs to be cared for. Or one of our clients has fallen and they're in the hospital and the family is nowhere to be found. And all of a sudden you have a cat or a dog in a house looking, you know, to be fed and walked and all the things that come along with pet ownership. And so that's when school kids could come in handy. Exactly. Or we can, if we had a facility, we could bring those pets to us at the sanctuary and and be able to care for them until their caregiver is ready to, to go home. And do you do any training? Is there any of the training? Once, I guess, once you get the building, maybe that's something that you would add. Oh, yes. Once we have a building, we can, our programming, and that's the thing that's so exciting about the impending construction project. Once we have a building, the opportunities are limitless. We can do training programs. We're thinking about, could we do things with grooming and with clinics for the entire community, not just the municipal housing communities, and have a place where we can say to older adults or, or people that are, are possibly displaced, and, and have nowhere for their pet to go. We gotcha. We will keep your pet safe until you're ready to bring them home. It's really a wonderful organization. Thank you. I have to thank you for what you're doing because you're really taking a lot of burdens and a lot of headaches away from people who, because that's their worry. They don't want to go here. They don't want to go there because they have their pet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it shouldn't I, be like that. I mean, pet ownership should be a joy and not something that keeps people up at night. You know, they have these cute little things online, whereas there's a pillow that says, this is my couch. You go sit over there. (laughs) Yes. You know, know, you're just visiting. I'm the baby. (laughs) Yes. It really is true. I'm going to get you one of those. I'll send it with the hat. (laughs) I want to thank you for being on. It was delightful. Lovely to speak with you. I wish much good luck going forward. If I'm ever in the area, because I am from New York, I definitely will call and uh, stop by and hopefully everything will be running smoothly, even more so because you really do, like I say, have a lot in your bowl and it's keeping you busy. And that's good. You know what they say? A tired dog is a good dog. That's right. That's right. Well, the thanks is mine. Thank you so much for having. It was my pleasure. Sharing our story. I want to thank my listeners. I want to thank Mark. And I want to tell everybody to live life unleashed. And check out on my Unleashed page on Facebook. And I'll have all of the links so you could uh, run for Catherine on the 16th. 
Thank you, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.